0: Thanks again for being with us on this last Sunday, this last week of December 2021. And uh, my name's Michael. I'm the lead pastor here at Long Hill. And uh, just thanks for setting aside the time. Some of you are like, why are you sitting down? Well, the reason is because you're sitting down too. It is the day after Christmas. Uh, You are still digesting the food that you ate. Uh, Like me, the Christmas tree is still a little bit in the background, Uh, but you're beginning to look back on the year that's passed, and you're beginning to look ahead to the year that's yet to come. And it's something we all do uh, at every point when we get to this time in every year. Uh, that we live in our lives. And so it's a great time for us to pause and to just give consideration to the direction that our lives have gone and the direction that our lives are going. Because here's just really the reality is that our lives are a lot like stories. Just like what you saw in the bumper, it just said, any good story is filled with turning points. If it's a boring story, there's not a lot of twists and turns that happen. It's pretty much a straight line. But the best stories have these turning points in them. And those turning points, they're encounters, they're circumstances, they're things that happened, their decisions that were made, uh, they were the beginnings and endings of relationships, their moves, their big earthquake events, and very often they're just the sum of small mundane choices. And if I ask you to share with me the story of your life, the way you would tell it will be based around some of those turning points, some of those events, some of those things that happened, some of those things that happened to you, some of those decisions you made or places you went or the people that you went with. And so for the next couple weeks, as we end this year and as we begin the next year, uh, we're gonna be looking at the life of a character in the Old Testament named Joseph in a short series that we're calling Play the Tape. And really, Play the Tape is all about how we can, with wisdom, do a better job with turning points. Both the decisions that we make and the circumstances that happen. And it's just a great time to give consideration to something like this. Because the strange thing is that smart people, even spiritual people, even Christian people, we often don't do a great job with these things. We can't outthink Outsmart, and sometimes we can't even out Bible study the process that goes around this. So it really requires us to put the lens on ourselves and focus a little bit inward. Here's why. Have you ever done something or said something where you look back and you realize that you didn't think it through all the way to the outcome? There was the heat of the moment, and maybe it was a good thing or a bad thing, it doesn't really matter, but you realize as it goes down the road a little further, you didn't really think through all of the implications of the decision you made or the thing that you said. You know, when I was a kid, I remember when I discovered fireworks and I lived in upstate New York and this was like one of the great discoveries of my life. It was like discovering the wheel, but for me, it was it was fireworks and we couldn't get like really good fireworks. So we could just get those little silly fireworks and so we'd go to the flea market and, and we would get these uh, fireworks and there were snappers that you could throw, but my favorite one were these ones that had a string that came out of it. and if you pulled the string, the thing exploded It was sort of like a firecracker, but you'd have to pull the string to do it. And I got this brilliant idea as a kid that I would booby trap the gate uh, to the fence around our swimming pool with these string-pulling fireworks. And my idea was that I would catch my dad or I'd catch my brother. They'd be going in and out, and they'd be surprised by this thing that went bang like literally 15 inches from their head and they would laugh and they would think it was funny and I would think it was funny. You can already see it's not a great idea, but there was a number, another member of our household uh, who did not have nearly the sense of humor that my brother and my dad did, and that was my mom. And so I neglected to consider the possibility that my mother might make it through the gate before any of the intended targets did. And that's exactly what happened. And my dad has told me the story back years later because he was around. He just remembers me seeing me from like across the yard with like my jaw dropped. And I just said, that was mom. And as you can imagine, it didn't go well for me. But it was this idea that I just had not thought through all the way to the end. I hadn't considered all of the possibilities and all of the things that can happen. And so this idea that these kinds of things happen that we don't really often operate with the perspective that perhaps we should in our lives it plays into so many of the intersections and the decisions of our lives and here's the key as many of these things seem small especially at the beginning you know there's something you didn't think through and it seems like a small thing but it leads to a much bigger thing, something that you said or something that you posted on the internet in the heat of emotion, whoever in the world has done that, a decision that leads you down the road and it was small when it started and it's big now. It's gotten much bigger with the benefit of time and perspective and you never would have made it the way you made it knowing what you know now. And for some of us, We wish we could go back to those moments. We wish we could rewind the tape back to those moments and behave and act and respond and live in a different way. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to look at the life of a character named Joseph in the Old Testament over the next couple of weeks, and his story is found in the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, beginning around chapter 37, and we're going to look at a couple different snapshots of his life and how this principle plays itself out in the life of a character in the Bible, but also how we can apply it to our own lives. And so we're going to read today a story about Joseph, and there's a little bit of backstory here. Uh, some of you know that he was, he was a favored brother. Uh, he had this coat of many colors. There's been a Broadway musical made about it. And what had happened is his brothers had gotten very jealous of him and the attention he got. And so they, they really went overboard, and they basically sold him into slavery, and he ended up in a foreign country called Egypt. And some things have happened uh, as, that's, as that story has unfolded, and he's found himself Uh, working for an Egyptian official. And that's kind of where the curtain rises on the story we're going to talk about today, which begins in Genesis chapter 39 and beginning at verse one. And it reads like this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And so he's been sold into slavery. Now he's been bought as a slave by this Egyptian official. The Lord was with Joseph so that when he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. And so what's happening here is this promise that has lived itself out in Joseph's life for its entire duration is still in effect even though the circumstances he's found himself in are not good circumstances. And this is an important principle that we're going to come back to at the end. We go on. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took a notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. So the story starts out and it's not a great story. And then suddenly the story has gotten a lot better and it looks like things are going on the up and up for Joseph, even though maybe it's not the life or the circumstances that he would have chosen. But suddenly the story takes another swerve and it's a swerve that is worthy of a lifetime original made for TV movie. It's just one of these things that when you look at it, you're like, I think I've surfed by that movie on my TV before. And it's maybe you're doing that this Christmas break. Maybe it's what you're doing with yourself. But the movie, the the, the story kind of takes this swerve in this really interesting and salacious direction. But look how Joseph responds. He says, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Anything he owns, everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. Kind of Captain Obvious statement there. But what we see Joseph do is a critical principle when it comes to navigating the turning points, the intersections of our lives that make up our best and our worst moments. He acknowledges the rightful owner and source of the object of his appetites and desires. He goes back and he's talking about this thing, and what you see him doing here is he's not really, he's not really saying this for the benefit of Potiphar's wife. He's saying this to himself. He's recounting, he's saying, this is what is true about my life as it has been given me. And there are certain things that are mine and there are certain things that are not mine. And this is a really big deal. It's almost as if Joseph is setting the record straight. And what he's saying is he's saying, if I step across this line, I'm stepping into an area which is off limits to me because it is not mine to step into. Where in your life are you tempted to overreach? Because the world around us and our circumstances and even sometimes our fears, our insecurities, the things within us tempt us to overreach into places that are not ours to reach into constantly. And some of these are really big, like in the story, but some of these are much, much smaller. They're much smaller and they seem insignificant at the moment, but it's a small decision that begins to lead to a large destiny. Where in your life are you tempted to reach into something that's not yours, something that is someone else's, or even something that is God's responsibility to take care of? Here's a way that you can check on this, because most of us aren't sitting here listening to church today, contemplating a huge decision that's going to wreck your life. Maybe you are, but most of us aren't. But one of the things we can do is we can check Our assumptions about what we think is ours and about what we think is our responsibility. Here's how you do that. Where in your life have you decided that you have the last word on what is true? Where in your life have you decided that your understanding of things is the last word? There's nothing else anybody could say that would change your mind. There's nothing even God could say that would change your mind. You can even quote some scripture to rationalize and justify what you have already decided is true. Is it your money? Does it have to do with your desires, your sexuality, your career, your judgment about a person or about an issue? even your faith, even someone who has wronged you, and you've decided that there is nothing that could ever be done to change your perspective on that person or that situation. No one can tell you differently, not even God. And we spiritualize this. Christians, listen to me. We spiritualize this Constantly, I have sat with more than one person in my life as a pastor and even just as a human being where they have rationalized a bad decision that goes counter to what God would have for God's best for their life and they put scripture around it, and it's clearly in the wrong direction, but they've decided it's what they've wanted, and so they're going to build a case for it. The moment that you decide you have the last word on anything is the moment where humility leaves the room. And when humility leaves the room, and it leaves that issue for you, you are an incredible, incredible, Danger of reaching into a place that is not yours to reach into. But see how Joseph goes on in the rest of verse 9. He says this, How then, having recounted what is mine and what is not mine, where the lines are drawn, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her, and so Joseph sets up this boundary to protect himself from reaching into an area, into a place, into a relationship, into something that was not given to him to reach into. You know, something that's true about me is that I'm an impatient person when it comes to movies and TV shows and and really nearly anything, and if the plot begins to get slow, what I'll do is I'll fast forward I'll I'll jump ahead until it gets interesting again. Sometimes I'll go on the internet and I'll actually look up what's going to happen next so I'm not surprised by it. You know, And sometimes uh, what we like to do when we watch movies, my son and I do this all the time, if it's a funny part or if it's a really cool part, is we'll rewind back to it and we'll read it and we'll we'll watch it again. I don't know if any of you, some of you are gonna think I'm super old when I say this. Uh, There was a tape. Uh, in the logo for the series, and it was a VCR tape. And some of you don't even have any idea what that is. But for me, it was a huge part of my childhood. And we were always fast forwarding and rewinding our way uh, through these VCR tapes. We were figuring out what had happened before and we were jumping ahead sometimes to see what would happen after. We still do that to this day. How many of you, uh, you, like, you, you can't watch a sports game in, in like, real time and so you tell all the people around you to not tell you what happened until you can go home and you can watch it on your DVR and see what happened. And what happens here in the story is Joseph does a version of the same thing. He plays the tape. He says, if I was to do this, these are the things that would happen. Because I have been faithful and God has been faithful to me, this is the life that I have been, been given. He rewinds and he looks back, and then he fast forwards a little bit and says, this is what would happen if I were to go in this Direction And as we said just a couple minutes ago, when he's saying all this stuff, he's not really saying it for the benefit of Potiphar's wife. He's saying it for his own benefit because he looks back and he recounts the blessing and the hand of God in his life. That yes, he's been through some difficult circumstances. He was sold into slavery. He was thrown into a well. He ended up in a foreign country in Egypt, but God has been with him and has been faithful. And then you see him jump ahead and, and say to himself, if I were to go through with this, this is the direction that it would take me. So what's that look like for us? Let me give you a few examples. You know, certainly in the story, we, we see an example of temptation and sexuality. You know, sometimes when you're driving by and you, you check out the attractive person that's jogging, let me just create a little bit of a picture there. One of the things that's super helpful that you can do is to play the tape. What if that look or that glance across the room or that fantasy that you have led to an interaction? What would happen then? What would that mean for your, your life, for your family, for your spouse, for your job, for your standing in the community if you followed that innocuous small thing to its logical end? Suddenly, when we do that, we begin to see those kind of things differently. We begin to see that this very small thing that could potentially lead to a much larger thing is absolutely just not worth it. How about your credit cards? Hey, we just came off of Christmas, so we we all kind of can experience this a little bit. But really what you're doing is you're kicking the can down the road and we all know it in the moment, but there's this gratification we get in the moment. Play the tape. Whatever you're buying, you will eventually have to pay for. How is that going to happen? And it may not be that you don't make the decision to do it, but it gives you a perspective to make the decision having counted the cost of the decision that you're gonna make. Here's a good one for where we live your job your lifestyle the pace of your life how you are currently living where does that lead you in five years or 10 years or in a career where does that lead your relationship with your husband or your wife or your children where does that lead your physical health you know, and I know we, work it, we live in an area where we all work hard and we play hard and it's just kind of part of our culture, but it's useful to play the tape forward and say, how does this ever change? How does this ever change for me? What am I potentially sacrificing so that I can have this? And is it worth it? We can do the same thing with our health. We can do this in the way that we talk to other people. What is being built in the life of your children in the way that you talk to them, in the way that you make them feel, and the things that you're building in them? Remember, it's single conversations, it's small encounters, it's the heat of the moment, but over time, these small things begin to build large things. What exactly are you building in the lives of other people? And so what we discover as we do this in every area of our life. You know, for some of you, it's, it's your emotions. You practice fear or anxiety, or you practice insecurity. And here's the thing I will tell you from my own personal experience. The things you practice become automatic. Are the things that you're practicing the person you want to become 10 years from now? Are the things, the habits that you're reinforcing, the ruts that you're digging in your life, are they truly who you want to become, given the benefit of time? Play the tape of where these things lead. Here's what's challenging about this, is that your sense of felt need, my sense of felt need, will always try to get you to take a short-term view of what are long-term issues. So we feel this thing in the moment. We feel this need that needs to be met. We feel this insecurity that we need to address. We feel this fear that we, we feel this desire that we have. Sometimes we even feel like there's this thing that I deserve out of life that I'm not getting. Your sense of felt need will always try to get you to take a short-term It will never look down the road. It will only look towards satisfying the immediate moment. But we know that so many, if not all of these things, have long-term consequences. So the thing you feel now, it will get you as far as the satisfaction, but it will never get you as far as the consequences. So let's get back to our story. So far, it's just been this kind of big, long, just say no sort of story, but then it takes this really interesting turn. Verse 11, one day he, and that's Joseph, went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She, and that's Potiphar's wife, caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. "Look," she said to him, said to them, "This Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house." She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home, and that's her husband. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, The Lord was with him. He showed him his kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And so we see a parallel in the story. It's the same kind of thing that begins to happen because God was with Joseph. And this is an interesting twist in the story of Joseph because when we look at the story, you'd think that there would be this better ending You'd think there'd be this better ending where Joseph comes out with this immediate win because he stood up for what was right, because he resisted temptation. Instead, it looks like making the right decision in the moment cost him something. It looks like he loses. And this is the problem sometimes when we merely look at the Bible as like this morality story where, you know, if you do the right thing, you'll get the reward immediately at the end and everyone will know that you did the right thing. It's not how it worked in Scripture and it's not how it works in life, But there's this key detail that I do not want you to miss because it's all over the story of Joseph. What we're seeing today, what's in the backstory behind this, and what we're going to look at next week, and it's simply this. The Lord was with him. His circumstances rise and fall. They go up, they come down, and then it looks like they rise again, and they're going to fall again. And we see that throughout the life of Joseph. And if we look at our own lives, we see that for ourselves as well. But there's this key thing that makes all the difference, and it's that the Lord was with him, and the Lord is with you. If you are a Jesus follower, God's presence, his spirit, is with you every single step of the way, when it looks like you're winning and when it looks like you're losing, even in the dark places, even in the places where it seems like you making the right decision led to the wrong results, even when it seems like it didn't work out, God is with you. And so this brings us to a really important question when it comes to all of these turning point moments in our life when it comes to us looking back over a year and looking ahead to a new year, when it comes to you, when it comes to your life, do you trust that the plan God has for your life is actually a better one? Even if, and I would say when, it's hard to see. Do you trust that the plan that God has for your life is actually a better one, even if it's hard to see? You know, so many of us, we love scriptures like in Jeremiah chapter 29, where the writer says, God has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. And that's such a great promise to hold on to. But there's parts of our life where it doesn't seem like that's coming true. But the Lord is with you. Do you trust God to write all of the pages of your life, even when it doesn't seem like it's to your benefit? Is the presence of God enough for you to hold on to and to keep walking? So as we close today, how do we do this when it comes to the critical moments, the turning points of our lives, the large ones and the small ones? we see in the story of Joseph a few ideas that are great for us to consider at a time like this. And the first one is this. Pause. Excuse me. Pause. What we tend to do is we tend to react based on a feeling that we have to satisfy, this sense of incompleteness, this thing we have to do, this situation we we have to resolve, something we think we need to have or something we need to get or something we need to prove. One of the best things you can do for all of your life, for all of your decisions, for all of your turning points is to wait that out. You know, I think I've shared this before. There have been so many times in my life that I've regretted things that I said or did or decisions I made in the moment. There have been very few times where I've regretted waiting. You now occasionally you miss out on an opportunity or something like that, but in, in the balance of it, there's so many times I've been thankful for not sending that email or not saying that thing or not reacting or responding in the moment. And there have been so many times where I have regretted jumping in. And so one of the first things you can do is to pause. And one of the ways that you pause is to know your weaknesses and hold out against them. Know your weaknesses and hold out against them. You see this with Joseph. He, he literally avoids Potiphar's wife. Wait those things out. Avoid the situations that push you into places as much as you can. We see in the story that that's not always possible. But as much as you can, hit the pause button. You know, one of the things I've discovered when it comes to sharing my opinion or sharing my perspective. And you know, there's so many hot button issues in our world that we all feel things about that we wanna weigh in on. Uh, Someone just shared this with me in the past couple weeks and they said this, ask yourself the question, was I asked? Was I asked? Before you weigh in, before you respond, before you do that, ask yourself the question, was I asked. Because here's what I know about my life and you know about your life is when it comes to the moments that you wish you could undo, that you wish you could redo, that you wish you could rewind and do differently, there's patterns to them. There's patterns in our failures. Most of the things that trip us up in life are not one and done. They're part of a pattern. And when we begin to recognize the patterns, we can begin to approach those turning points differently. And a pause doesn't necessarily mean stop, because there's certain things in your life where you do have to move in a direction, but what you're doing is you're waiting out that initial reaction. You're waiting out that initial need, that initial desire, that initial reactive response that you want to engage in. Pause. Pause. The second thing is this. Play the tape forward. We see this in the life of Joseph as well. He jumps ahead and he says, where does this path lead me? Where does this take me? If this small thing were to lead to the next thing, and that were to lead to the next thing, and that were to lead to the next thing, what does that path begin to look like? What's the true cost of me moving forward? And you know, and very often it's more than we'd ever expect. But sometimes, when it comes to facing our fears, it's actually less. When you play the tape forward, you can say, yeah, there's this difficult thing that I have to get through, but after it, it moves me into a different place. Play the tape forward, and then play the tape back. What do you actually believe is true about God? One of the great ways to do that is to look back on your life to even look back on a year like this, which has certainly been a challenging and roller coaster year for many of us, and to see the ways that God has been faithful. But not only to just see the ways God has been faithful when he gives you what, he want, what you want, when he gives you the things that you think you deserve or what you think you need, but even in the places where he doesn't seem like he's done that, Where you've made the decision and it seems like it has cost you remember there and then and even in the darkest parts of those places that the lord is with you what if you truly believe that god can do immeasurably more exceedingly more than we ever might be able to ask for Or imagine as you play the tape back ask yourself the question do you truly believe that God is not only enough that he's enough to get you through but that he's better he's not only enough but he actually is doing something better in our lives even in the times that we can't see it when it comes to times like this the turning points of our lives, and even of our years, as we end a year and we begin to enter a new year, you can reflect on what God is up to, and know that the Lord is with you, for His glory, but also for your good. Play the tape. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for uh, all who are watching and listening, and uh, I thank you for the lives that they have lived, and some of those stories are great stories that seem like everything is going in the right direction and some are the opposite of that and some are in between. We all kind of know what that feels like and how this lands in our lives. And I pray for each person that as we look back on the year and as we look ahead that we would give consideration to the turning points. How we have navigated them, the ones that are coming up and what we're going to do, and that we would play the tape. That we'd look ahead, but we'd also look back to see how you've been faithful. That we'd wait out our initial reaction, that we'd silence the voices and the appetites and the insecurities, and yes, even the fears that we sometimes experience, and instead wait on you. We thank you that in spite of all of the things that have happened, are happening, and could happen, that the same thing that was true for Joseph is true for us, that the Lord is with us. If we're in Christ, we can count on the fact that God is not only present in our lives, but that he's powerful, that he's aware, and he knows the plan that he has for us. Bring us peace as we begin to step into that. Give us strength to walk in the right way to bring glory to you. And help us every single step of the way, we pray in Jesus' name.